This is a DMB Society podcast. I got a sister named Jane. And this is the pod that Jane likes. And now, here are your hosts, Jeanette, Trisha, Matt, and Sean. Hi, hello. Welcome into episode 49 of The Pod That Jane Likes. I'm Sean, and I am joined by our usual cast of characters, Jeanette, Trisha, Matt. How are you all doing? Hi, Sean. Hello. In case you were unaware, uh, The Pod That Jane Likes (laughs) is hosting a party in New York City. Uh, all places. Maybe you've been sleeping under a rock. Maybe you have been. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, New York City party, November 18th. And if, if that's a date that sounds familiar to you, it might be because it's one that you already have on your calendar um, because it just so happens to be the final show of the 2023 fall tour. So now, if, if you're one of those people with an old-fashioned calendar, you could, you know, in a <laughs> small print underneath... Mm-hmm. Your DMB at MSG, you could put Pod the Jane likes pre-party because that's what small we're print, having. small print. <laughs> well, I was assuming <laughs> DMB is you know taking up a big and part big of print. that box oh, already. Okay, okay. <laughs> Pod the Jane yeah. likes opening for, and we're not Dave talking about yeah, and we're not talking about that's pencil. Right. I want a marker sharpie. <laughs> that's right. I like yes. Pod the Jane likes pre-party. Yeah, Pod the Jane likes pre-party. So in case you haven't heard, uh, we will. Uh, the four of us, we will be in New York City at Hill Country Live NYC, November 18th. And we're hosting a pre-party from 4 until 6 p.m. with Ari Fink from DMB Radio. We're super excited about the event. Tickets are on sale now. We've been uh, posting about it all over our social media accounts. So if you follow us on social media, I'm sure you've seen it. If you don't follow us on social media, you should. Um, but if for whatever reason you don't, you can grab yourself some tickets to the party at cegpresents.com. And it is a limited event. There's a limited amount of space in the venue. So if you're if you have any interest in going, we would love to see you. You probably want to act uh, sooner rather than later because there's a chance that the event would fill up. We certainly hope that it will. Um, we're really excited about the event. Jeanette, why don't you tell everybody how excited you are? <laughs> um, very excited. I'm, I'm excited for the four of us to just be live and in person and do what we do best and also to meet all of our listeners. And, and I really hope that we have a good turnout and we get to meet all of you. And perhaps, you know, a lot of times you say that when you're listening to our episodes, you have opinions as well. So maybe we get to hear your opinions on whatever it is that we're talking yeah. about that evening. And I think that that will be interesting and cool to mingle and, and converse with you guys. Absolutely. And big, big thanks to everyone that's already purchased tickets and letting yeah. us know and kind of sharing in our excitement uh, for this. It's the first time we're doing this and putting this out there. And so your kind of early support right at the launch really meant the world to us and definitely spread the word. Bring your friends, and um, if you didn't get your tickets, like Sean said, cegpresents.com, and we look forward to seeing you. And we really hope to make this worth your while. Uh, we want this to be a lot of fun for everybody. We know that there are other gatherings that are going to be going on, and uh, you know we're going to be doing a lot of fun stuff. We're going to be doing some giveaways. We're going to be doing some mingling. We're going to be doing some live show stuff. 
so we really, really want to see you there. Um, please come. Please let us know if you have any questions about the event. If you want to, uh, you know, send us a DM about anything just to uh, to clarify, we'll do our best to answer it. But uh, we really are excited and we can't wait to see you and to, again, open for DMB on night two. <laughs> Matt keeps saying this and I love how you're positioning it, <laughs> that we're opening for DMB. That's right. Oh, they haven't announced DMB. Dumpster Funk. They haven't announced it. You know, <laughs> right now it's just the pod that Jane likes. Just so. us. <laughs> The only other game in town. <laughs> We're super excited. We we hope to see uh, a whole bunch of faces that we've seen on the road before. We hope to meet some new people. Um, and in, in the short amount of time that we have announced the event and been promoting it online, we've had a number of people that have reached out with questions pertaining to Madison Square Garden, questions pertaining to New York City. So we thought we would use our first segment in this episode to chat just a little bit about New York City and the venue that the final show of the tour is taking place in. And uh, of course, as always, this segment is called The Opener. So in the opener this week, we wanted to talk a little bit about New York City, kind of an intro, if you will, if you have not seen DMB in New York City, more specifically Madison Square Garden or any concert for for that matter. It is a little bit different seeing a show at the uh, most famous arena in the world. It's it's not quite like anywhere else. And, and we thought that we would uh, take just a couple of minutes to chat about it, what you could expect if you haven't been there is something that uh, I, I, I've been to Madison Square Garden a number of times, grew up in the Northeast, so it was just kind of always a normal thing. But I would imagine it's something that could be intimidating if you have not um, grown up in those circumstances or grown up in the Northeast. It's, it's a whole different animal. So we, we figured we would take a little bit of time to chat about that. Uh, Trisha, do you want to kick us off with your thoughts on seeing a show in the, in the heart of Manhattan? Oh, I love MSG. And, um, you know, we'll kick it to Jeanette just to talk about what it might be like for a New Yorker or a New Jersey person to go to MSG. It's a lot easier than a lot of people that might be traveling to it. Um, And so I think that MSG, like, it it just is like one of those shows that's, you can't miss. It's really hard to miss MSG. It's always closing the year, usually. And it, has always a special guest and a surprise. So like, here's the reality. It's chaos. It is chaos getting in and out. That's just the truth. If you're looking Mm -hmm. for an Uber on your way out, it's going to be, might be a little bit hard to find it right outside the venue. You have to walk a couple blocks to get an Uber. But here's, the truth is MSG just has a chokehold on me and people. Like, it's just, it's like you figure it out, right? Like you just figure out where to stay and how to get there. And there's definitely options all over the place. So you know, last year I said I wasn't going and I heard night one on Sirius XM Friday night concert series and I hopped a flight the next day because it was a stupid decision. So true story. (laughs) (laughs) I took a four o'clock flight and I landed at six and I walked in right before the opening. What was the opening last year? You walked in at lights down. 
lights down. I just, you know, never make that regret. And I, and I just want to acknowledge that I do understand that this is like an expensive city and an expensive ticket and it's like super hard. And I also think that there are ways that you can do it too. Tickets are always shaken loose last minute. Even if you're on the roof, like I was one year, uh, (laughs) you could get tickets. So again, it's, it's a chaos. You can't miss. (laughs) Yeah. I always, you always uh, talk about being on the roof, right? And um, I always joked, even from when I was a young kid, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't care if I was in the bathroom stall. I just want to take it in the building, right? Like mm. I've always, it's always not an easy ticket to get. And uh, Madison Square Garden is super special. As Sean mentioned, the most famous arena in the world. It's the most visited venue I've ever been to. Not just Dave Matthews Band of all concerts I've been, I've seen about forty concerts there in my life. Not to mention basketball games, mm-hmm. uh, the circus, you know, all kinds of <laughs> kinds of weird, <laughs> weird stuff as a child. Yeah, what, you know? a, what else is on your dance card there besides yeah. the circus? The circus. Where else did you stand? <laughs> but uh, you know, Madison Sesame Square Garden. Street Live. Oh, I did see Sesame Street there live. <laughs> In the because the Madison Square Garden also fun fact has a theater that um, is not a part of the actual arena, but there is a theater there, and I saw Sesame Street live in that theater when I was a kid. Anyway, I digress. But fast forward, and you saw John Mayer there last week. Yeah, so true story. True story. Seen a lot, but I have seen a lot of artists there. Billy Joel. Billy Joel has a residency at this venue. Like, how incredible is that? You know, um, it's just I know and I know from an outside uh, an out of towner how difficult and how overwhelming it must seem. But the tra- if you can take the train, if you have access to a train, Penn Station is literally underneath Madison Square Garden. You don't even have to go outside to access the venue. Um, mm-hmm. Also, it's been renovated within the past 10 years. And um, it, it, it's incredible to me that. It's been renovated, uh, but it still has that that old Madison Square Garden feeling, yeah, even does. though, right? Even though, like, okay, fine, it doesn't have the turquoise and the purple seats anymore, but there's still <laughs> it still has the most iconic ceiling, and mm-hmm. you know, um, and I love the history of it. And if you walk around the halls of it, you know, if you are going, please do yourself a favor and do this if you haven't been there. But walk the corridors and just look at all the history and the pictures of all the things that have. They literally have an event from every single date of the year. Uh, that's something that happened at the garden, whether it be like a boxing match or a game or that time John Stark dunked on Michael Jordan, which my, my husband and I will argue over this <laughs> every time we're at Madison Square Garden. But to be fair, they have that night that James Brown came out with Dave Maxey's band, December 21st. They have it up there. Um, so it's just an incredible venue with incredible history and it just so worth it all the chaos to be in that room. It is 100% my favorite room in all of the universe. All of the years. Wow, that's really saying. (laughs) (laughs) I know a lot of people this year are picking Charlottesville over Madison Square Garden. That felt like they were kind of forced to make a choice. Mm -hmm. That's fair. That's fair. And I think it's, I think, have a great time in Charlottesville Mm -hmm. and then, you know, find your way to Madison Square Garden too. Yeah. And as a person that has been to both, like, I I get it. Like, you got to experience both. If you can't do both, you have to pick one or the other. You have to, you got to at least do one or the other at least once in your lifetime, right? Like if you're a Dave Matthews Band fan, you got to go to Charlottesville, the birthplace of the band. But Madison Square Garden sure. is, again, you know, you know you're going to get, like Trisha said, you're going to get a guest. You're going to get, you know, we might even, they might even announce an opener. Who knows? Sometimes that happens, you know. So We're the opener. 
Oh, right. Yeah, Jeanette, where are you? Opener. I forgot. <laughs> I, um, I have not been to MSG since 2005, believe it or wow. not. Wow. Yeah. That's like a lifetime ago. I know. It really, I was a very different person back in 2005. And um, <laughs> so I have, I have not been there uh, since... 12 10 05 which was one of my favorite shows uh that i've ever been to you know that uh, we talked about this i think last last week a little bit during the announcement that uh there had been kind of a hiatus uh that the band took from msg which i think is why i i didn't go sort of like late 2000s you know there were very few shows there you know and then it started to pick up over the last few years but i haven't i haven't been you know it's one of those things where it is a little bit overwhelming even though i'm from boston and you know, can roll down to New York City pretty easily, you know, worrying about finding a place to stay and tickets. And, you know, it it can be for sure overwhelming. And I think that that's just why I haven't done it. But when these dates got announced and I realized there was going to be no Boston and, you know, they are coming to Mohegan, which is a little bit easier for me, but it's during the week. I was, you know, fully committed from the beginning to going back to MSG. So I'm really, uh, I'm really excited to, you know, to be there. You're right. 2005 is a, you know, a lifetime ago. And around that time, I, you know, I went to, I went in 02, I went for Dave and Friends in 03, and then I went in 05. So I was, I was there for like a while during that time. But, um, I mean, we're talking like you know, 18 years, right? Yeah. It's a long time ago. <laughs> Literally. Oh <my> <laughs> this is like a homecoming for you. Man. Yeah. So the last time you were there was purple and teal seats. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> also, absolutely. the last time Matt was there, Matt, you said twelve ten oh five, right? Twelve ten oh five. Mike Doty, Halloween, confetti. Yes, all confetti. Yeah. So so not not only not only are we talking different color seats, but it, it's gonna be interesting to go back and compare these upcoming shows to that twelve ten oh five show and and I'll be very curious to see if we get how the end of the show, the end of the main set compares. Matt, that show, you ended it with Smooth Rider and Bayou. <laughs> if you get a Smooth Rider Bayou at MSG 2023, is it a thumbs up? Is it a sideways Ooh. thumbs? Is it a thumbs Ooh. down? Well, I would I would think that if they were going to play Smooth Rider that late in the set, that there would be some sure. sort of guest. So, sure. you know, who yeah. you know who knows who, who Maybe it might be. Maybe a little Robert be, Randolph. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that's who was that's who guessed Robert it that Randolph. night, right? Robert Randolph. Yeah, actually. he was Robert there. Randolph. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's nice. Also a New Jerseyan. So nice. That's why he was there. Yeah. Yeah, and a and a song that hasn't been played since 2019. So it's it's been a while since uh not only has it been a while since Matt last heard Smooth Rider, it's been a while since anybody <laughs> heard Smooth anybody Rider. Heard yeah. Rider. That's right. This is exciting. Matt, you know, Matt was so committed when the tickets went out to Madison Square Garden. And in my head, I was like, Yeah, right. Because well, you haven't gone in 20 years, but <laughs> this is exciting. So everybody, you're going to have to come to our pre-party just to just to make Matt have the best MSG yes. experience. It's yes. been 20 years. I will tell yeah. you, I also visited MSG in 2005 because my favorite basketball player of all time, Reggie Miller, played his last game oh. at MSG. And I bought tickets to go see him there. And uh, so I visited MSG twice in 2005. One to see Reggie nice. Miller's last game. One to see DMB. So it's been not, Reggie Miller was not still news I want to hear. So. This is not news I, I want to hear. I am a New York Knicks fan. I do not want to hear about Reggie Miller. Maybe actually, maybe I'll wear one of my Reggie jerseys. Oh, to oh boy. MSG. Tomatoes thrown at you, maybe. 
I think it's fitting when the when the fall tour announcement came out. The summer tour announcement, there's there's always the staple venues, right? And mm-hmm. and there's the places that you can count on seeing this band every single summer. Obviously, there's a few curveballs thrown in there, but by and large, you can count on the band playing at several places in the summer. When we get a fall tour, that's not always the case. When we get a fall tour, you really don't know what you're getting. And the way that this fall tour has shaped up, I think you're getting the two staple venues in John Paul Jones and Madison Square Garden, at least as it relates to this band. You're getting the hometown show in Charlottesville. You're getting the, you know, the, the, the finale of all finales at Madison Square Garden to wrap up the, uh, what was this year. So I think that, you know, we critique, um, when, when the announcements come out and what these tours look like, but I, I think it's so fitting that the, the band is going to at, you know, uh, at a minimum, hit up those two venues, probably two venues that should be included in, in any fall or winter tour that they ever right. do. Absolutely. They're going to blow the roof off. Yeah. yeah so may- maybe maybe um, <laughs> if we're given the opportunity, we it's a question that we would pose to Dave or, or pose to somebody else. Hey, hey, why don't you always play Charlottesville or, or why don't you always mm. play Madison Square Garden? I feel like we we ask these questions amongst ourselves all the time. And we actually thought, well, why not let's let's have a conversation about it. And in this week's jam segment, let's talk about what questions, if given the opportunity, we would like to propose to the band. Okay, so in this week's jam segment, we wanted to talk about something that, well, this is episode 49, and, and quite frankly, it, we've probably referenced in more than half of our episodes things we would like to ask members of the band. So we thought, let's collect our thoughts, let's chat about it for a little bit, let's see what is on everyone's mind in terms of what question they would like to ask to band members. Let's start it off by asking the person who probably over the course of 49 episodes has had the most questions that he would like to ask a <laughs> member of the band. And of course I'm referring to Matt. Put it on the list. Put it on the list, guys. <laughs> You've heard me say that so many times over the course of this podcast. I have, you know, a my cup overflow, <laughs> whatever the whatever the expression is. Uh <laughs> My cup overflows with questions that I would like to ask Dave, but also other members of the band. I've always thought, and I think that this is sort of why I have I have so many questions. I've always thought that the band is so tight-lipped about a lot of things that other bands just aren't really that type tight-lipped about. You know, it's uh, you know living in New England and being a New England Patriots fan. You know, Bill Belichick, when he's asked a question about the football team, no matter what, he always just says the same thing in, you know, in a different, you know, variation of words. And I feel like DMB is very similar in that way. Like they don't really give you a lot to go off of in, uh, you know, in, in a lot of cases, like, for example, with the uh, the drop of the 25th anniversary before these crowded streets album, you know, just sort of came out of nowhere. It's late in the year. You know, there's just a lot of very DMB PR 
if you will, around it. So I, I definitely have a lot of questions that I would ask to uh, the band. And I think that ultimately the thing that I always go back to, and I know that this is going to be, uh, you know, this may not be the most popular thing that I could ask, but I have such questions about Away From The World in general. The album Away From The mm. World, which came out in 2012, was supposed to be a return back to Steve Lillywhite and the good old days and, you know, really valuing production and all of that kind of stuff. And what we've heard from Steve Lillywhite after the fact was uh, the band sort of turned the other way after he had finished up his work and basically redid a lot of what he did to the album to begin with. And I'm just so curious what happened in that recording session with the relationship that Steve Lillywhite had with Dave and with other members of the band and why that happened. Because I think that there was so much great stuff in, in the away from the world uh, time. And in the, during the away from the world album, I think it's some of the, the best work, you know, call it post Leroy that the band has done. And I'm just so curious to know, because, you know, you ask pretty much any fan, who has been following this band for any number of years. And, you know, the majority of them will say that the best work that the band ever put out was before these crowded streets crash and under the table and dreaming. And those were all Steve mm -hmm. Lillywhite produced albums before these crowded streets specifically was all Steve Lillywhite. He said that it's the only album that he's, you know, ever been able to with the band fully put his spin on. And, you know, we can all agree that it was, uh, the band's best work that they've ever put out. So what happened when, you know, you were trying to get the band back together, so to speak, and, you know, all this other stuff happened. I'm just, that would be my, that would be my main question. What happened with Away From The World? Okay, that's the question. <laughs> that's the question. What happened with your relationship with Steve? And okay. why did you go back and re-record and or remaster and yeah. or all of these other things and you know to totally just you know essentially just say thanks but no thanks and we're we're all set Ooh, that is a burning question burning. yeah and burning. it's i i think it's a, it's a really interesting question because as matt mentioned there there was such fanfare around bringing steve back and right um you know the way in which steve departed the first time was was so public and it, it was uh such a big deal to bring him back and to have it be a one and done thing, I I don't think a lot of people, including myself, thought that going into that album. Uh, I I looked at, I remember when the announcement came out that Steve was going to be a part of that album, I sort of, sort of looked at it like, okay, Steve's back. Steve is back in the fold. Mm -hmm. Steve is going to be the guy producing these albums moving forward. And of course, mm -hmm. that didn't happen. So I, I think that that's a great, a great topic. Yeah, and you know, Steve was at the Hartford show that May of 2012, which was before the album came out. But Steve was there. Like, Dave made sure to say hi to him from the stage and say, our good friend, our old friend, Steve Lillywhite, is here. And so it's interesting to me, like, wh what the timeline is on that, too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, was the was the album fully baked at that point, or was it mm -hmm. not? And did something happen in between? Or did they even tell him? Did they even right. tell him? Yeah, right. right? Interesting. Like you, you, you think about what Stefan said with monsters, right? Like right. when they yeah. dropped monsters like recently and how it was a, you know, it was a surprise to him or whatever that he wasn't on the track or, or whatever. And, you know, did they just say, thanks so much, Steve. Like, 
you know, here's your paycheck and, you know, we can't wait to release, uh, release the album. And then they just release it. And he's like, oh my God, like they didn't use anything uh, that I did, you know, like that's just it to, to have such a foundational relationship with, you know, between band and producer. And then to, for that to be the result is just, you know, mind blowing to me. So maybe we'll never hear about it. Maybe it'll be mentioned in somebody's book at some point if somebody writes a book or if somebody comes mm. onto the pod that Jane likes and wants to share their story. I'm talking to you, Dave. Uh, <laughs> you know, we can. We know we you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeanette, uh, we've heard Matt's one big burning question um, and an, an impressive Matt that, you know, on a list with so many questions, we appreciate you, you whittling it down to that one. Um, and it's a great one. Uh, so Jeanette, the question, uh, is now yours. What is, you get one opportunity to ask one question. Uh, what are you going with? Okay. My question is going to be for Stefan. Um, oh, wow. I think it's so interesting that Stefan joined this band when he was 16 years old. Mm. I think that he's, you know, very close to my age. He's maybe five or six years older than me. So I, I, can say I grew up with him and this band, right? We grew up together with this band, right? Me as a fan, him in the band. And just what was that like? Like he feel like he missed out on like his teenage years. Does he feel Mm. like, I I don't know. It just, I mean, he had to kind of become an adult very quickly because he had an adult job very, very fast. And then the success happened so quick. Like what was that like for somebody not even 20 years old? Right. It's like, is he... Was he like a child star? Like, yeah, oh, star? Like right. Was he like any Bonaducci? Yeah, kind of situation. <laughs> right, right. Was he like an Olsen Aww. twin? Like, what was that like for him? And I know he's right. so talented, right? And obviously, like yep. they were like chose him, you know. And I know that like there was it was logistics too, right? Like, oh, I got I know this guy who has a son who plays the bass really well. He's a prodigy at it, yada yada. And they call him in, but that's not just that's not the reason why he stayed. Right. The reason why, yes, he comes in and then he plays the most magnificent Mm -hmm. bass ever. So they keep him and they he's still there and he's original band member and he's been there since day one. And what was that like? They're not Mm. he's not anywhere near anybody else's age, you know, but these men are his brothers for 30 years. Right. So, like, what is that like for him not being in the same generation bracket, not getting a chance to be like not getting a chance to do what we did? You know what I mean? Because he was, he had a real, he had an adult job at the age that I was spending all my money to follow this band around, right? And living paycheck to paycheck. And he has an adult job, (laughs) you know, it just, I would love to sit down with him and and, and pick his brain on that and what that was like. That's a great, that's awesome, Jeanette. I, I would be fascinated. You know, that's another thing. Like we need a Stefan book. Yeah, we need Stefan to write a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I bet he's got the best to stories too. Cause you know, he oh, was sitting around watching right. them all act like a bunch of clowns when he was a kid. <laughs> right. He's like, I'm right. not going to act That's like it. that. You know That's what I mean? It. He probably oh saw some shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if, if you put yourself in his shoes from that time period, it's, it's the age in which I, we were all that age at one point. Mm-hmm. An, an age gap matters a lot when you're 17, yeah, 18 that, years old. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So even you know, every year in your 20s, it matters. Yeah, 23 yeah. is different than yeah. 26 and different than yeah. 29. Right. Different than, you know, right. I always I got mean, a kick out of hearing Carter and Roy 
tell the story of Stefan showing up day one and he got a ride and he had his <laughs> upright bass in the back of the car and here he comes lugging this big bass. And, you know, of course, over time that evolved and, and um, you know, the, the Stefan's involvement in the band um, certainly didn't revolve around an upright bass. But I, I, I've always got a kick out of Carter and Roy getting a kick out of telling that story. They, yeah. they always seem to get a, a laugh out of, oh, here he comes. Look at this 16-year-old yeah, like with his kid. With his, yeah, the old guy, like, how old is, and how old's Carter at that point, right? So like Carter the elder statesman is like what yeah, is he, 20 he, years older than him? Is that old how much older he is? About I mean at least at least 15, right? Because Right. I think Stefan I think Fonz is about to turn 50 or turn 50 this year. Figure out exactly the age difference. Carter was born in 1958 and Stefan was born in 1974. Mm, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, it's a good point, Matt. Like, in addition to it being, I would imagine, strange for Stefan kind of becoming a part of this family, the flip side is true, right? Like, Stefan was young enough to be Carter's son at that point. Yeah. Right, I was just going to say, yeah. Interesting topics, y'all. Yeah, two two really great questions. Two really Um, great ones. I would love to hear the answers to to both of them. How about you, Tricia? What's your burning question? Uh, certainly it's to Dave and I'm serious when I say like, why haven't you played dreams of our fathers? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like what is, is that? The real reason? That Jane likes oh, yes, that's, great. that's, that's great. not my real answer, but I was just like, seriously, I actually kind of, I'm just curious. It's like, yeah, the only live song you've never played. Like why? We know it can be done, guys. I mean, like everyone's we like, know. oh, the lyrics are <laughs> sure kind of crazy, really but like, we know it can we be sure done. Know. You know, Mine's a little deep, I think, and I just really need to hear it out of Dave's mouth. But, um, you know, I have an Instagram and occasionally for album anniversaries, you know, I'll talk about an album and have people comment about like what the album means to them. And I would say collectively, 85% of respondents would say, well, this album saved my life or this album Mm -hmm. saved my life or this saved my life. He saved my life. And when you think about the gravity of that, saved my life. You know, this band and Dave created a subculture of our country of people that mm. whose identity is tied up with this band. And I just wonder, I think sometimes he has to tour because he has people to pay. and he, But like he has to tour because you created the community of people that rely on this to save them. Like that's, in, that's heavy. That's a heavy it's responsibility. Heavy. Yeah. And I just wonder if he actually knows that. Mm-hmm. I feel like he'd be so modest and be like, oh, no, and coy. But, like, I need to know he knows it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I need to know that he gets what he means to people. I was like, this isn't like at the end of your life, you're like, oh, and I won a Grammy or I'm in the Rock of Hall of Fame or I'm doing this. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, you literally have saved people. <laughs> like, right. is that something you are aware of? I think he I think he's aware because people tell him, but whether or not he actually receives it and believes it, you know what I mean? Like, I think he's probably super like, yeah, I'm sure I did. You know what I mean? Because he because it's that's a hard thing to to receive to to actually like be like, yeah, you know what? I did save that girl's life with that song. Like, but I'm sure he's been told. I just don't know if he understands the magnitude of it. You know? Yeah, and I just want to know if he understands. I mean, part right. of me feels like because he played so much during the pandemic, like he knew he does. Yeah. that actually a lot of people being without them would be hard. 
and coming out with weekly drive-ins or playing those solos. So like part of me feels like he must know we mm. need that. <laughs> Can he even uh, comprehend point. it is, is you yeah. know, the other thing, you know, like. He has to. He's a fan of music too, right? Yeah. Like he, under- yeah. but he it's has not fans a fan that of music. It's his it's life. Like, he created a subculture though. The only other bands I know of that are like Grateful Dead and Fish. Mm-hmm. Like what other musicians created a, mm-hmm. an entire subculture of people? Taylor Swift. <laughs> wow. Well, not a, that's not a yeah. subculture. I don't think. That's, I think a, that yeah. that is that's an actual culture. culture. Right. Yeah. Like you're culture. Subculture. Now it you're is, a subculture. Now it is culture. Yes. Right? And it's, right, it is, right, right. you're a part of it with, right now, at least. You're a part if, of it whether like you want to be or not. <laughs> that's a really you're, good point. You're getting it. You can't, yeah. there's no escaping it. That's so true. As a musician. And I think the way he talks about music when he's talking about his idols and you know, when he's talking about uh, songs that mean things to him, the way he speaks about them makes me realize that he is also a fan of music as well. And I think that those things probably say, like he's been through a lot of, a lot of heartache and a lot of grief. We've talked about this before, right? So like there's gotta be songs that have saved his life in a way, or maybe mm-hmm. his songs saved, maybe he he's written songs for himself that has saved his life that we don't, we just don't listen to them the same way. But I think he's just tries to be modest and doesn't really, you know, want to take on that, that responsibility. So he kind of just like shoves it to the side, like, oh, no, 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 you know? Right, right. I mean, yeah. And I I feel like, sure, he's human and he can make a decision to like stop touring. But like, can he? Right. Like, I don't think he's actually human. I think he's superhuman. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's God or Jesus, I'm saying, though. But you have like, there is a responsibility that you've created over the course of 30 plus years like yeah i don't know if you can but anyway that's what made me start thinking that's, about this. yeah so that's like, a good question this is what makes our podcast great we all got yeah, different opinions i'm so curious what sean's gonna come in with. yeah let's hear sean's yeah i think for me the it, it's a question that i i'm gonna get greedy and selfish and i it's a question that i would like to to be able to propose the same question to Dave, to Carter, and to Stefan as the three OG members of this band. Uh, I, I would really love to to hear the perspective of how songs that have been around for 20, 30 years at this point, how what is involved in the process where they evolve over time. And I'm talking about songs that not not in the sense of songs that were maybe never put on an album and have continued to change. But I'm talking about songs like number 41 and songs Mm -hmm. like two step that have been around forever yet. You can search for those songs on Spotify or Apple music or wherever you stream music. And you can listen to a bunch of different versions that are going to sound so very different. The song of course is the same, but I, I would be so curious to hear what that process is like where they're gradually changing over the course mm-hmm. of a summer, whether they're gradually changing due to new people being in the band or people who used to be in the band no longer being in the band. I, that That's always something that ha- has really grabbed me. Currently, 41 is that song for me. It's a song that mm-hmm. I have you know, such a, a, a long and extensive relationship with. It's changed mm-hmm. so many times. It's uh, has so many different variations and depending upon when you've seen this band, you could have seen a totally different version of the same song. So I, I think I would love to, I don't know that that's actually the prompt of this assignment, but I would love to ask the three of them, 
and kind of be able to compare and contrast notes as to what is that like? What's it like over the course of one tour where a song is just kind of gradually evolving and it has a life of its own. A lot of these songs very much have a life of their own. They're living, breathing things almost. Mm -hmm. Right. Interesting. Yeah, like how does that, when do they make that decision to change? Oh, sorry, Jeff, you're not going to do this solo anymore. Tim's going to do it. Like, is it in the rehearsal room? Is it mm-hmm. on stage one night and then it just sticks? Or, you know, you could say that about Raven too. Like, look at how much it's like now yes. all of a sudden it's like got this jazzy ending. Like, where did that come from? Did Buddy just start doing it? And it evolved into, you know, it evolved into something. Like, yeah, that's Raven. a really, really good the annual raven, yes. <laughs> yeah. it's, a really, it's a really interesting question right. to, to pick. Yeah, yeah. And like, who decided? Who decided? Yeah. that right. last stop was going to be truncated. truncated. Last stop, right. another great right. example. Yeah, I mean, back, the last stop. I think it's a great example because it happened once, and and I don't know if the first time it happened, it was on purpose or not. But mm-hmm. then there was a a very deliberate way of going about the song after that, where they said, you know what, we're not playing the end of the song anymore. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the third verse of Gray Street. There's there's a lot of right, examples. Right, like this. right, yeah. Because like whoever decided that they should cut the ending off last stop might be might might be fired. They should be fired. Yeah, very much. <laughs> Unless it's Dave. Unless it's Dave. <laughs> I mean, well, no, Dave can still be on the shit list, but you know he can. <laughs> yeah, he can't can get fired. Yeah. I just said why. <laughs> what I think is so interesting is uh, is. Sean, like based on your question, right? There was a documentary that came out on the Beatles. I mean, I guess you can call it a documentary. What was it last year or the year before? Mm. Which was Get Back on Oh, yeah. fantastic. Amazing. And fantastic. it's straight up eight hours or whatever it is mm. of yes. just the Beatles like tinkering. And like you hear like the beginnings of some songs, then like, you know, like Ringo comes in and he's like, let's do this thing or like whatever. Or some other people yeah. come into the studio Incredible. and like they go away and then they come back. That's what I would want. You know, you're basically yep. that 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 documentary slash movie is like you're a fly on the wall watching yep. arguably the best band in the history of music do their thing, you know, right? raw, unedited, like it's just incredible leading up to their rooftop, you know, concert. And I would love, obviously love that. I think we got close. The closest we got to that is Dave and Carter, you know, that that mm-hmm. uh, during the pandemic, pandemic yeah. session thing that yeah. they did. But yeah, I mean, just like give us a half hour of them in the rehearsal room. We always see the pictures, right? Yeah, you don't right. actually hear the dialogue or mm-hmm. you know understand what's going on. That's a great. Yeah, I I agree, yeah, Sean. That's, I, a, that's a great one. I think the um the documentary of the making of Before These Kind of Streets gets pretty close too. I think you know it aired on MTV twenty five years ago. Um, you can find it on YouTube now, but. I mean, you really, you know, you take a, you, you get to see like Dave's notebook and, and mm-hmm. I think that them just all sitting around in a circle writing songs though, like that we've never, I don't know if we've ever come yep. close to something like that. Yeah. And, and not only have we, we not got exactly what Matt's describing, but for everything that we know about the last album that they put out, none of that even happened. Right. Right. Like, uh, now a lot of it was thanks to the, the pandemic. So, you know, we'll, we'll throw that out there as well, but there, every story you read about the recording session, none of those stories involved every person sitting in the same room at the same time and bouncing right. ideas and licks off of one another. That's that's just not that wasn't the climate of the world at that time. So I'm 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 I would kill for uh, a documentary like like Matt's describing or like Jeanette's talking about with before these crowded streets. We've gotten like little snippets here and there. We got a right. we got a couple of snippets before the Big Whiskey album. 
and you got to see them kind of piecing sure. maybe a segment or two of a that song was a good together. One too. But yeah, I think Sean, yeah. your, your question though too is more like, how does a song like Forty One evolve? Not yes. necessarily. How does yes. a song like Seven? And that was written, right? right? Yeah, like, right, right. Yeah, like different. I, I'm. I think that there are two very different things. I think that there's how something evolves and, and in their mind they perfect in a studio before they put it on an album. Of course, I would love to, you know, hear, hear all about that. But I think, you know, for this particular question, I'm really interested in something that they, in their minds, they probably either perfected or came close to whenever they recorded whatever the song is on an album. But then over the course of time, it just, it very much has a, a pulse, right? And it, and it changes and evolves and it, uh, seemingly even even from the beginning of a tour to the middle of the tour to an end of a tour a song can have a few different lifespans and and, and that's something that um, really is at the very top of the list of of bringing me back year after year mm. and, and making me want to go to more and more songs is to kind of see what the the lifeblood of some of these songs is like you know over the course Absolutely. of a year so this was fun. I I think yeah, it's, it's, it's probably a segment that we could do um, a dozen more times because yeah, right? we, we sure. certainly all have plenty of burning questions. And in the coming that days, that has a list. That does have a list. Yeah, long, yeah. long list. Long list. Whatever does, I said, this, my this was cup kind of runs over or whatever the whatever the term is. Yes, <laughs> your cup runneth over. Runneth. This, I knew that that that's what it was. My cup runneth over. <laughs> Matt has referenced this list many, many times. If you've listened to the podcast for a while, Matt has referenced this list and he's given us little snippets and teases as to what is on this list. But this is probably our first real glimpse into what is included in that notebook. You know, mm -hmm. so it's it's fun to see. And we got to, to hear what is included in, in everybody's notebook. So I think this is a fun topic. If we have a listener Definitely. out there who will go back and listen to every episode and come up with a list of times that I've said that and questions, I will send you a Pod the Jane Likes t-shirt, whichever one you want. Ooh. If you can go back and do that, I will absolutely send you a whichever one you want Pod the Jane Likes t-shirt. Oh, I love it. So you should, people should go do that. Um, definitely take Matt up on the offer. And if you're not going to do that, what you should do is, is after you listen to this episode, you should go online, go on our social media accounts and interact with us because we want to know what your one burning question would be. Mm -hmm. And we're going to interact with people online. Yeah. I can't wait to hear what our listeners come up with. Maybe we'll talk about or one if, if there's if there's one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it deserves a pod that Jane likes roundtable. To be continued. Yeah. To be Fun. continued. To be continued. It. In the long term, to be continued, we're going to come back on this topic a number of times, I'm sure. In the short term... Let's roll into our final segment of this episode called Where Are You Going? So in this week's Where Are You Going episode... Uh, the band, little by little, is getting closer and closer to the fall tour. More specifically, where are we going? Uh, we're going to New York City at the end of the fall tour. More specifically, we're going to the pod that Jane likes pre-party on November 18th <laughs> at Hill Country Live, New York City. If you can't tell, we're super excited about that. But we're excited about the tour as a whole. We keep inching closer and closer and closer. 
and and I think there's plenty of reasons to be excited for what this fall tour is going to be like when it kicks off in Savannah, Georgia, because people were essentially left at the end of the 20, 2023 tour wanting more and more mm-hmm. and more. I think a little bit of the of, a, a little bit of the band taking a break is probably good for everyone. Uh, we kind of get to reset in the same way that they get to reset. But I don't know about you all, but I'm just about getting to the point where I'm ready, I'm ready. for to yeah. kick back up, raring to go. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I, 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 I could, days. Ugh. Yeah, I could probably put some money on us showing up at more than one show. Like maybe, well, you'll see us before MSG. <laughs> at least one of us. <laughs> I, w- I would bet that you know I, I would take, you know the, uh, yeah, I, I think at least one of us will end up at one show before yeah. MSG. Right. But, As of right now, our plans are only MSG. The four of us are only MSG, but you know how we roll. And I can totally, I can definitely see, you know, surprise. I'm at Charlottesville. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it's true. Like in the moment, John Mayer has been occupying me because we just went to see him, but we're 28 days out from Savannah. I can only imagine what I'm going to feel like a week before savannah mm. i'm gonna be like itching we're getting there <laughs> yeah little by little we're getting there little by little little by little i think the real question is not whether or not one will one of us will go to another show i think the question for me is what are the odds that all four of us find another show to get to Ooh. that's that's Ooh. what i'm going to be rooting for to to have that happen at some point in this little fall tour who knows? Stranger things have happened. That's the most burning. The over question. under. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> the number one burning question. Yes. The question that everyone has been uh, messaging us about. Please tell us that Pod the Jane likes is attending more than Madison Square Garden. Uh, I would <laughs> say the over under that we. Uh, I don't even know what over under means, but you know, <laughs> over under on uh, the over under is yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there you go. I was going to say the over-under that we uh, show up in Mohegan as a pod, you know, or, or what? Finish the sentence, boys. You never know. Over-under on that. You just you don't never know. know. You just don't you know. You never know. It could happen. Stranger things have happened. So we will see. But in the meantime, uh, we will continue to uh, anxiously await the fall tour. You can count on more and more content from us in the days and weeks leading up to the fall tour. And then, of course, whether we are there or not, you can count on uh, following the pod that Jane likes both online and then uh, listening to our podcasts as well as we recap everything that's happening on the road. So so we're excited. We're excited about the, uh, the New York City pre-party. Uh, we are excited for the fall tour. Lots to be excited about. Anybody have any final words before we sign off? Go buy tickets. Go get your tickets. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? And you know what? If you're not going to Madison Square Garden, you could go buy some merch on our merch yeah. store. Yeah. Even That's if right. you're not going to the show and That's you're like right. just like our friend or a family member who just likes to support <laughs> us and just wants to kind of come and see like what we do, I think that that would be cool too. So just come to yeah. this party, man. Come see us. Yeah. Come see us. Come say hi. Yeah, we, we would yeah. love that. We would love that. We'll have make it worth your while. Have an appy. Have a drink. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, we are uh, super excited. And of course, we will be coming to you uh, a number of times in between now and then on your podcast stream. So if you're not already subscribed, go ahead and do that. We would much appreciate it. Give us a rating, give us a review, any of the above. We would uh, appreciate all of it. If you don't already follow us, uh, follow at Pod the Jane Likes. Lots of content coming your way uh, pretty much every day. It's, 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 a, it's a worthwhile follow. But we we appreciate you tuning in and uh, we look forward to 
we're almost at the point where we could say we look forward to seeing you on the road. So little by little, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye, everybody. Go buy your tickets. Go buy your tickets. Buy your tickets. (laughs) 